0: Welcome today to the Immigration Hour. This is your host, Charles Cook, uh, one of the longest, I'm going to be the longest running immigration podcast in America on immigration. We've been doing this for over 10 years. And I am co hosting today with our newest attorney, uh, Phil Cook. Phil, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. I'm happy Phil, to be here.
0: Phil also spells his name correctly. That's right. How else would you spell cook? There's would no you? other way. There's no other way. That's it. Uh, so it's great to be with everybody today. We hopefully fix some of the audio that problems we had last week. Uh, keep in mind that uh, for years we produced this on our, an actual radio station. Uh, and honestly, I just got tired of driving over there every day, and it's just as easy to put your own podcast up. Uh, you know, we live in the 21st century, I guess. Um, Phil, I want to talk today, with A couple, of, one of the topics that kind of at top of mind is uh, Donald Trump's tariff on mexico okay well this this was crazy when you think about it um our number one trading partner uh for whom we have no an enemy tendencies nothing about mexico that hurts us the only thing he, he was upset about was that mexico didn't build a wall apparently um on their 600 mile border with uh uh, with Central America and Guatemala, uh, much of that through by the way, unpassable jungle um, and uh, he was upset that Mexico was not stopping everybody in their country as if we do it, so basically he wanted to hold Mexico accountable for something that we ourselves cannot do says, <laughs> you know, so "He hey, I want you to do this because i can 't do it because Congress you know they don't they don 't let me do this, so you've got to do this, and so if you don 't do it i 'm going to put a tariff." Uh, basically I'm going to tax you as citizens if you don't do this and that tax is going to make your products more expensive and yes I know that your products are part of everything we build which will make all our products more expensive but that doesn't matter because I'm the president
1: Right, he that, doesn't really understand economics. That the you know you, you pass on any tariffs you impose on another country, it actually gets passed on in American consumers yeah, when it, it gets sold back. I, he to he simply
0: that must not be in the art of the deal um, <laughs> because uh, he, he didn't he didn't quite get that. Uh, so last week we talked about the deal, the, the, the this whole idea, this threat of Mexico of tariffs, um, and then Friday, miraculously, on Friday, you know, ten o'clock at night, there's a deal. Uh, How did, you know, but it turns out, uh, if you actually read the newspaper within the next couple of days, that in fact the deal that was announced, that was negotiated on Friday, was actually already done. A couple months ago. Some parts of it a year ago. Uh, (laughs) They just had not moved on it. Uh, And that allowed Trump to uh, basically save face and say, hey, you know, Look at my threat as if tariffs work. Ask, you know, are they working on China? No, no, they're not working on China. It feels kind of a, a China file. He's uh, yeah. lived over there. Cino file. Cino Cino A Sinophile. and uh, he uh, he understands. Kind of the Chinese mind a little bit, and uh, they're not in that for the short game, are they?
1: No, they they really are not. Um, they they're they're so into uh, currency manipulation over there that they really could care less about our tariffs, and yeah. they're just going to tariff us us back, and it's going to hurt Americans a lot more than yeah. it's going to hurt the Chinese. You know,
0: it's funny. I was just reading this one that Apple is going to is, has plans in place to take uh, their manuf Foxconn all their factories out of China, so that the iPhone is no longer made in China. Well, they have to
1: because. Yeah. China, China is, tariff, is tariffing tariff. only Apple products
0: because we tariffed Huawei. Yeah, so there, there, there you go. So uh, this, is, this is crazy, right? So Trump doesn't get the whole tariff thing. Um, then, then <laughs> this is just classic, Trump on Monday said there's more details to come about a migration pact between the U.S. and Mexico um, saying there's a secret deal. Additional secret deal that have to be ratified by Mexican lawmakers. Uh, he didn't provide any details. But he threatened more tariffs if Mexicans' Congress, Mexican's Congress did not approve the deal. Um, here, here's what he said. We have a fully signed and documented another very important part of the immigration and security deal with Mexico, one that the U.S. has been asking about getting for many years. It will be revealed in the not-too-distant future and will need a vote by Mexico's legislative body, Trump tweeted. Uh, the response was, Huh? To, to, there, there's no deal. There's no. There's nothing that we have to do um, uh, as part of this. Uh, I mean, literally, the Mexican foreign ministry said, uh, we have no idea what he's talking about. Nothing. We got nothing. But because of, of what they did agree to as part of this, uh, there are now well over 15,000 m- migrants who have sought asylum in the United States who have been returned to Mexico um, and are are waiting in Mexico for the hearings. And the stories that we see coming out of this are horrific. So here's how it works. Somebody comes to the border. They say, I want want to apply for asylum. They say, great, uh, you and your little two-year-old girl uh, stay over here. We're going to interview you. Oh, great, you passed credible fear. Now your hearing will be in two months. Go wait in Mexico. And the day of your hearing, come here that morning. So they, get, they go back to Tijuana or, or you know, somewhere on the border of Brownsville, wherever they happen to be, and they wait in Mexico. Now, there's no place for them to wait. They have nothing. They live in shelters. Uh, there's been reports of attempted kidnappings, rapes of children. I mean, all this horrible stuff in Mexico, um, such that this woman came back to her hearing, and the judge says, where's your asylum application? He said, I, I don't have enough to eat. I, 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 We don't have a place to sleep. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I I just want to file them. I want, I want, a, I want shelter. Uh, and the Well, I'm gonna. judge is like, I'm gonna reset your hearing for a month. You have to have your asylum application in. Otherwise, I'm gonna order you deported. And she's like, What? And they escort her out of the courtroom, back to the bus, and ship her back to Mexico. That's. What, that's what Trump's doing right now. That That is immoral. Essentially
1: already deporting them. Of they course they are. They already deported them. To
0: Mexico. Um, and, uh, you know, it's great that Mexico's offering to, to, to house these folks, but the reality is all they're doing is putting bodies in a shelter, not really taking care of them, ultimately, they'll be deported, but they'll be deported back to Mexico. And then Mexico will have to deal with this. So obviously, it's Mexico's long-term interest uh, to fix this. But at the same time, it is a an unmitigated nightmare uh, for uh, for folks.
1: And they have little to no access to an immigration. Well,
0: that's a, that's the thing. They, you know what they're done? They're just like an immigration court here, they're given a list. Here's the list of the pro bono lawyers and low and low bono lawyers in your area. Well, they're you know that's Catholic charities. It's all they're all full. Right. I mean, they're just complete. They can't take any more cases. It's a physical impossibility. Yet, in the interior of the United States, where many of them have family, they can hire lawyers. There are lawyers to help. No, no, they're not, they're not going to them. Right. Uh, and it's been, I mean, it is ultimately a, a nightmarish scenario for these folks. It is something that is um, uh, inures to their detriment and really makes us look terrible as a country. But, you know, that's the point. That's the right. point. Tr- Trump wants us to look inhospitable because as a white nationalist and racist himself, he doesn't want people to come here. Right. Of any kind of any kind. And uh, it, is, uh, it, it is it it is is really going to be uh, terrible for us going forward, uh, because as a country, uh, we are going to pay the long term price uh, for not having folks uh, that uh, not having this image of what Reagan put out there as being a city on a hill. So this whole tariff thing that Trump talks about uh, is is just made up. It's just. He invented it out of whole cloth, and now he claims credit for something that was already in place. Some of it in place long ago, um, but they just never finalized the deal. Much like the U.S.M., you know, the NAFTA 2, 2.0, they just didn't do the deal. Right. Um, and the disappointing part, from my perspective, is um, how Lopez Obrador. Basically, quickly caved. Apparently, quickly caved. Uh, I don't think they have the sophisticated PR machine that comes out of Trump's administration. Um, and uh, but they look like, hey, we're weak. You know, whatever what Trump wants, we'll just be happy to get around. to. It's getting pushed around. And yeah. does Mexico really want that image? Um, well, they have Mexico's problem, of course, is they are also have you know overwhelmed with with migrants from Central America. Um, but. You know, you're not going to solve this migrant problem in Central America until you convince people to stay back in their home country. But when you let uh, gangs control the countryside and the cities, rampant uh, climate change is actually affecting Guatemala. Large swaths of Guatemala are going through what appear to be climate change, where it hasn't rained in years. And then Guatemala is a rainforest. And just basically. recently,
1: they had that volcano. Just volcano
0: went ago. off. And, you know, that was very isolated. But now this climate change, people's crops aren't growing for the last couple years. So rather than die literally of malnutrition, they just make their way to America. The Americas. there are people in the village, and they see one person in the village is struggling to death. The family down the road has a new motorcycle and siding on their house because they have a relative in the U.S. sending money back down. So what's the message? Go to America and send money back down. You don't have to be legal there. Right. Um, but as long as we focus on the migrants... And not on the US employer, one, that is breaking the law by hiring undocumented immigrants, mm-hmm. or two, on getting Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador in a place where people can safely live and thrive in those countries, something that the Obama administration tried to do for years, and Trump administration literally cut it off. And you can you can see the cutoff of aid, the cutoff of education. The cutoff of, of the migrant treaty that we had from El Salvador and Honduras, and you can immediately t- tally up the increased level of immigration coming from those countries as a result of stopping the things that were actually working as part of that process.
1: Direct it's, correlation.
0: It's direct correlation between those two things. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here on the immigration. I'll be right back uh, in our next segment. Welcome back to the immigration area. Now we used to have, as you know, commercial breaks where we play a commercial. A lot of podcasts I listen to, Phil, have commercial breaks. Yep. And what do you do during those commercial breaks?
1: Uh, you turn it off. Well, yeah, well
0: <laughs> in my car, I fast. I, there's a button I can right. push, and it fast forwards it. So, keep. You know, que Beneficio, what benefit that you don't have to fast forward to Well, they get that. a
1: benefit because they get paid. But
0: yeah, <laughs> well, we we do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Uh, so there was a terrific al- article in Alternet uh, today um, that actually hit home on exactly what we've been talking about here on the podcast for the last two and a half years. That Trump, while he cannot change the law, and I tell clients this all the time, what's well, Trump well? Trump cannot change the law. You know, he can change policy, but he cannot change the law. Right. But he clearly has been trying to implement these changes in ways that both circumvent the law, and in many instances, replace the law, uh, despite what it says. And, and it's at a you know, certain point in time, lawsuits, and, and as part of AILA's litigation task, where we're encouraging all lawyers to sue on everything you possibly can get a, get a plaintiff to sue on, because uh, of these changes. So the article um, uh, is uh, written by uh, Sofia Tesve, I think it's Tesfaye. I think that's how you said. it. I do apologize, Sophia, if I said that wrong. Uh, how Trump is circumventing Congress to implement his xenophobic immigration plan. How is actually quite simple. Because what he's doing uh, is through uh, policy memorandum, but more importantly, just through adjudication, uh, simply changing how the rules work. Uh, last week, we spent most of the show going through the regulatory agenda that was published in the Federal Register, talking about all the different things that he has planned for USCIS, ICE, and CBP, and to a certain extent, Department of State. We also talked about how the Department of State made some changes recently. So let's, let's we're going to kind of look at this. Uh, Sophia does a great job here. Um, Kind of giving the history. In in 2018, January of last year, uh, Trump had all the Senate leaders come over from both parties. and, And he said, quote, why are we having all these people come from shithole countries come here? Close quote um nearly two years after first outlining his push to the president uh he followed up on his threats and introduced through we talked about the miller kushner plan and it's not kushner kushner wouldn't know an immigration plan from his underwear he honestly. just slapped
1: his name on it Yeah, exactly it's
0: Stephen miller's plan let's let's not kid ourselves um and it was immediately panned by his own party. John Cornyn, who is the number two, you know, after Mitch McConnell, uh, Mr., the dead, what do they call himself, the Grim Reaper? <laughs> the Grim Reaper. Um, uh, John Cornyn, who I think is must be known as the dustpan, I don't know, you pick up the remains afterwards, uh, he said, quote, we seem to never fail to miss an opportunity to fail. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, Congress does a great job about not addressing this. Just not doing anything um, about it. So under the Miller-Kushner plan we talked about, they're gonna slash legal immigration in some categories without expanding it anywhere else. And under Trump's, quote, merit-based proposal, immigrants would be selected through a point-based system that scores for extraordinary talent, professional and specialized occupation, and exceptional academic track records. But it's junk. Now, Phil, you did extraordinarily well in school, way better than your old man. You might qualify, except, you're 30 now, right? Right. So you probably, that's a strike against you. You're over 30. 30. I mean, that's that's a pro- I would not qualify. Right. My it's 30 years of experience, my uh, my academic achievements, my world, no, doesn't count.
1: And it doesn't matter if you have kids that did it anymore. It?
0: No, and that's than the thing. The plan too. And think about it under their plan, you wouldn't be able to bring your parents. Right. You know, a lot of people come from cultures, especially successful people come from cultures where there are only one or two kids. Mm hmm. Uh, you, there's a strong preference to support mom and dad when you get older. If you can't bring your mom and dad, you're not coming. The no. thing is they know that. Right. <laughs> they know that. That's why they did this. They're, these people are not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. It's not an accident that this plan... Basically eliminates legal immigration to the United States. There's a reason for every single part of it. Sure, there is, and our own U.S. Senator David Perdue is the is the one of the you know the co-sponsors of this, of this plan or a variation of it, which is why we got to get rid of David Perdue uh, here in Georgia. Uh, he's a cancer on our state. Um, so so Trump uh, now you know he threatens Mexico, and you know was it a bluff? You know this is his thing. If anybody's read The Art of the Deal, and I will, I will confess, uh, I have read The Art of the Deal. I have not. I, I've read The okay. Art of the okay. Deal, um, I, and uh, my, my father-in-law had a copy wow. when it was published back in the 80s. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is a liar. Everybody knows that. Uh, and the book is premised on the fact of this. Just make an incredibly outrageous position that you don't even believe in, and then settle for what you wanted in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's called anchoring. Actually, is that what it's yeah, called? It's called anch- anchoring. So you, uh, I, I before immigration law, I, I did insurance defense law. And okay. When we would when we would negotiate settlement, uh, both sides would start at opposite extremes, and that's what's called anchoring. Okay. Right, and so the the idea is that. Both. Wait a second. Donald Trump did not invent this? He did not invent anchoring. This has been a, a, a long time. <laughs> so if you read the book Getting to Yes, it's all in there. It's all <laughs> in there. I mean, I, I know that it came out after The Art of the Deal, but it's been going on for
0: a long, long time. So he, he makes a, he makes a nutty demand on Mexico out of the blue. Um, and they apparently cave, Although, as we talked in the last last part of the show, they didn't really cave. Everything was already structured. Everything was already done. They're just actually going to implement this. So here here is some of the things that he's doing since he knows, um, a, a, you know uh, a. Heck, even the Republican Congress attacked him for the tariffs. They were they were gonna pass a resolution saying, Yeah, we're gonna take that authority away from you. You're you're not behaving properly. The thing is that law that lets the president impose tariffs never imagined somebody like Donald Trump being in the White House. It always presumed a rational actor, acting in the US national interest.
1: Yep, no one no one I don't think it was ever expected that they would use the tariffs as a weapon. Uh, rather than as something that they thought was reasonable to safeguard the economy of the. It, it's states. only
0: a weapon to somebody who doesn't understand what tariffs really are. Right. Um, so last week we talked just briefly uh, about this, but I think it's really important. When the Department of State, one, they added a series of que- they had a question to their visa application form, both for uh, your green card and your ESTA, that said, Hey, do you have social media? Yes, great tell us all your login information. (laughs) Uh, What what I loved about the drop-down, they had a drop-down menu of everything they could probably figure out, including MySpace. Yeah? Do you MySpace? uh, MySpace is closed. (laughs) They literally were out of business last year. So even if you gave them, if, if I could remember what my login is... You couldn't find it because it's dead.
1: My song is probably still playing on there and on the internet outside somewhere. Did it is, you know, on MySpace they used to have a song. Yeah,
0: it used to be a music sharing a part.
1: Music sharing part, and I, I'm sure it's somewhere floating on the internet. You can probably go to those one one of those sites that sings look for pay Phil pay. Cook.
0: Say hey, it's you know right. what? It's, it's there. But so one man. one thing that kind of slid under the table was under the diversity lottery program, which Trump hates. Now I'm not going to sit here and super defend the diversity lottery program, but I will tell you this. It has been the principal source of immigration from Africa and Eastern Europe over the last 30 years, period. And without the diversity lottery, we would have very few Africans in the United States. Under Kushner's plan, there's no chance. Oh, no, they're gone. I mean, they're just in. gone. No, no, those people, the no people in Africa are done. I mean, they're never, it, it's, just, Kushner's plan is, designed to let white people in America. Right. The whole thing. Um, but under this change, they said, one, to order to apply for the diversity lottery, you must actually already have your passport. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, because these are diversity countries, they generally tend, tend to be a lot poorer than the United States, and getting a passport costs a lot of money to them. So, you know, a passport to us is going to cost, I think it's $180. I mean, it's not cheap anymore here, um, but if it, it, it's going to be 50 bucks or 60 bucks to a, to a Guatemalan farmer, uh, if Guatemala could participate, let's say from a, an Ecuadorian farmer who's making $100 a month, they're not going to get a passport. Uh, They only get the passport if you win the lottery. So now that's going to shut off a whole bunch of people. Um, And the next thing was, and this has always kind of been the case, but I don't think people realize it. If you make any typo of any kind, any error of any kind on your application, it's an automatic disqualification period, unappealable, automatic disqualification. Now that's always kind of been the case, which is why they notify 100,000 winners for 50,000 slots, uh, because they disqualify so many people. Uh, But this, again, acts designed to limit the use of the legal immigration tools. That's that. Um, Then you've got this idea uh, that uh, uh, folks are uh, uh, using the diversity lottery in a nefarious way. It's a lottery. You don't get to plan your immigration to America. Right. Hey, uh, Muhammad, we have a whole bunch of uh, people we want to send over for the next next cell to the United States. Have them enter the lottery so they can get in. I mean, a lot of people are vetted like anybody else. They're just. I mean, it's it's crazy uh, when you think about it uh, as as part of the program. Uh, so this idea that. Um, Uh, They're using the law. Now, we also know, for example, uh, that they are rewriting, we talked about this last week, they're rewriting the definition of specialty occupation for an H-1B. Now, specialty occupation was not written by Congress. Congress just said specialty occupation and then allowed Congress to, allowed, allowed the then INS to create the definition for specialty occupation with input, and lots of people had input and they had a sense of the Congress what it was. They want to make a specialty occupation so technically specific that no one will qualify for it. That's their goal to make it so difficult to get, so hard to get, that nobody will be able to use it. It, it's, it's, it's really an insane thing that they're, they're going to be doing. This is the weaponizing of the immigration laws, right. um, weaponizing a specialty, a, a, a specialized knowledge for L1Bs, limiting what that can be, uh, saying that a manager must manage people who have bachelor's degrees. Again, th- that was never in the law. And yet, that's read into law now into into the regulation. The entire weapon, the idea that you can't work for a third-party provider of services, which is basically the entire basis of our modern economy, uh, because that violates the the duty of control, which they misinterpret intentionally from the actual law. Right. And so, all this is happening at the same time: the weaponizing uh, and and xenophobic use of Policy and procedure against immigrants, and it, it, we have to prepare ourselves. The next big onslaught—it was a big onslaught last uh, last, I think it was March, when about five thousand employers were notified that hey, you're going to be audited. Uh, that is going to that's going to ramp up. We're expecting another round of audits here in July, um, and those audits aren't even complete yet. I mean, uh, we produce all the documents with 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 it for several clients of ours, and nothing, no word. No, they haven't done anything at all. Uh, and it's really designed to to significantly and, and, and aggressively go after um, people using the legal immigration system, which is odd because when you, when you look at the actual numbers, especially for employment-based immigration, there are only two countries in the whole wide world that are using their quota. Who's that? India and China. Think about it. EB-3s are a great example. EB-3... Professional positions got to have a bachelor's degree, or you got to have a job with two years of experience, or that 10,000 set aside for unskilled workers. Um, no country, everybody's current, which right. means there's not enough people applying for them to use their numbers, which means India and China gets to use those numbers, right? So only India and China. Now, what's happening is the, the, the Indian you know, 40-year backlog or 150-year backlog, whatever the number you think it is, uh, is that Indians are not saying, I'm just not going to come to America. I'll go to Canada. Right. Or I'll stay in India. Um, And, again, that is intentional. That is intentional. Uh, HB 1044, which is the bill to allow, uh, to get rid of the per-country limits while the last version of that bill had 380 co-sponsors in the House, Uh, Never saw the light of day Um, in the Senate. uh, There's going to be a vote in the House on it. It will pass the House again. It's not going to see the light of day in the Senate because Mitch McConnell, (laughs) you know, the the Grim Reaper is going to stop that from happening. Uh, Let's take a quick break here on the Immigration Hour to come back for our final segment. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour. It's Charles Cook. And by the way, if you have any questions, you want us to address any topics, you can email me at chuck@immigration.net. Uh, my co-host today is our newest associate, Phil Cook. Uh, Phil has uh, been practicing law now for over two years um, yeah. and uh, just getting into the immigration field. It's great to have you with us, Phil. Thank you. Um, so uh, on Monday, uh, the president appointed uh, Ken Cuccinelli. Uh, who uh, multiple time failed candidate for office from Virginia, and uh, uh, hard li- they call him a hardliner. Hmm. A better word for him would be racist. I just I think it's it's a faster word than hardliner, yeah. uh, and more accurately reflects who he actually is. Uh, but uh, his appointment as the well they they, they announced he was being appointed in the news as the acting head of USCIS. And that is not entirely accurate. Uh, Not entirely accurate. And here's why. Let's take a look at the Federal Vacancies Reform Act of 1998. This is the act that allows acting heads of offices to be appointed. Here's what it says. If an officer of an executive agency like in this case, uh, um, the outgoing director of the USCIS, Francis Cisna, um, uh, whose appointment was required by the president by, with the advice, resigns. resigns. Um, Then the first assistant to the office of such officer, who would be the deputy, Director of the agency uh, shall perform the functions and duties of the office temporarily in an acting capacity. Notwithstanding the prior paragraph, the president and only the president may direct a person who serves in an office for which appointment is required to be made by the president, by and with the advice, that's going to perform the functions and duties of the vacant office temporarily in an acting capacity. So, you. If you don't want the acting guy, the deputy to step in, then you can get any other appointed official in any other government agency to come in and be the acting director. This is what happened uh, with um, his current acting chief of staff, yeah. who was at OPM, or he was he was somewhere, and then he went to um, the that office of uh, that Elizabeth Warren started, and now he's the acting chief of staff. So. Cuccinelli, by the way, had no job in the U.S. government. Which is a problem. He was, he's not, well, let's, let's, okay, then there's, (laughs) then there's three, notwithstanding the previous two paragraphs. The president and only the president may direct an officer or employee of such agency to perform the functions and duties of that office temporarily, in a in an acting capacity. So, if you don't have anybody that's been appointed somewhere else, you can put in. You can take another employee. Like, and this is the guy who's currently been heading the USCIS mm-hmm. for the couple days that Sista's been gone. Is the the and he'd only just been confirmed recently. Uh, here's what they said, but only, you can only bring that employee in if during the prior 365 day period preceding the leaving of the official, that person worked in the agency for at least 90 days. And he was a GS-15. Cuccinelli doesn't, so what what they tried to do to get around this was they made Cuccinelli an employee of the agency and then appointed him acting director. Except it doesn't satisfy section 3A of uh, the Vacancies Act of 1998. You have to be there at the time the vacancy. You have to have occurred. been there, been there for 90 days. In right. the, well, you have to have been there days in the previous year, but he wasn't. But he wasn't, and uh, so. This person is not the person that's eligible to work in the office um, now paragraph one going above does not apply if the person working as first is in the office okay that's that none of that is, is required uh, and um, this this guy cannot serve as acting director it's illegal so the question then becomes uh, how do we go about uh, – uh, um, uh, and, and, by the way, this is – the acting director would be Mark Kumas. How do you go about challenging this? Uh, who is um, – um, you know, I guess here's what, here's, here's what they're going to argue. They're going to make Cuccinelli the, the uh, first assistant – um, to Mark Kuman as the deputy director who is the acting director and then after 90 days switch them but announce that Cuccinelli is the acting director this is where it gets very very fuzzy so here's the question how who has standing to sue Phil you've been to law school recently who has standing to sue the agency to unseat this guy as acting director Phil's got a look on his face I don't have any freaking idea no nope. um, well that's a great question I, I would I would argue if I was going to go to federal court uh, that on this and I had a willing plaintiff. But if I had a plaintiff who was uh, a a an, he was a potential beneficiary of the agency's actions or a potential user or an actual user of the agency's services, and during this time frame something was enacted, changed, modified, memo issued, whatever it happened to be, that affected me and I like could arguably affected me. I would sue to enjoin the effectiveness of that because it wasn't issued by the appropriate official. I mean, I I think that's what you have to do. Um, There is zero chance, by the way, that Cuccinelli will ever, ever be confirmed by the Senate. Do you know why? Because the GOP
1: hates him. He does. And do Do you know why the GOP
0: hates him? No. Because he, he actively campaigned against every incumbent senator over the last four years, including the Grim Reaper. <laughs> in, he, wanted, he wanted every Senate to be challenged from the, from the crazy racist right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, keep in mind, this guy was rejected for governor in, in the state that he had been attorney general in uh, because he was too racist. In Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I mean, I'm proud of Virginians for rejecting this guy. uh, But it seems to me that at the end of the day, um, you know, it's funny, somebody asked on Twitter, what, under what basis can Trump appoint them? And somebody wrote, this is the best response. I believe he is acting under the I do what I want, because Mitch McConnell won't do shit act of 2017. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I think the problem is the wording of the statute. Congress just did a really crappy job in the wording of the statute so it, it gives Trump a little bit of leeway to say, okay, I'll put this guy in as a quote principal deputy uh, and then after 90 days switch him to the acting director. Deputy, yeah.
0: director. yeah so it is uh, it, this again, the the law was written thinking there would be rational actors right. Thinking there would be rational actors in office, and not exactly uh, who we uh, who we actually got as part of this. And uh, I think that um, Trump behaving this way uh, is simply his way of um, sticking it to Congress. Yep. You know, and, and yet McConnell doesn't care. McConnell, yeah, McConnell will never, never, never confirm Cuccinelli. He probably won't think about it. every every official at DHS. Every official is an acting director right now. Right. There are no confirmed people working in, in the Department of Homeland Security, none. Yeah. We don't have a confirmed Deputy Secretary of Defense. Uh, this is people should be are uh, way more concerned about this because if the advice and the consent of the Senate is needed for these 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 these, these uh, positions, and they're not it's not happening because these people cannot be confirmed because they're unconfirmable. What does that say? About Congress's oversight of this president. Very little. Well, it is well, it says they simply don't care. Right. Uh, but more importantly, it really it really goes to the issue of uh, just letting Trump be an emperor. You know, do you remember when they would say, Oh Obama's acting like an emperor because he created DACA? Who does he think he is? Well, I, I would posit that Trump that, that Obama is an amateur. This is this is the uh, and this is Barr has done a great job of supporting this. This is the imperial presidency, is it not? I mean, this is the imperial presidency. As Americans, we should be very concerned. There's a reason that Congress is Article One, and the and the executive branch is Article Two. Yep there's a reason for that and it's because we don't have an imperial presidency congress is who are answerable to the people right and the president is answerable to congress and they i mean i think the dems are just showing weakness and not impeaching this guy um for crimes i mean he he committed crimes uh and uh, i have begun reading the Mueller report it's a long report you know it's 448 pages but it's not not hard i mean it it's not like a, a law school book. It's, it's, it's actually readable. Um, and a lot of the stuff you know, you don't have to be going to, you know, it's not like you're studying for an exam. Uh, so when I heard one of our Georgia congressmen this week say, I'm not going to read that. I might have to change my mind about what happened. <laughs> uh, and this morning we read that Justin Amish, who was the only Republican to call for Trump's impeachment, just left the Tea Party. Wow. he left the the Tea Party Caucus in he's Congress. One of the founders. most,
1: yeah, one of the founders and probably the most reasonable of the Tea Party.
0: Yeah, well, he's gone because reasonable no longer counts. Truly, as, though,
1: he's more of a libertarian
0: than a far. Well, he is definitely. I mean, he's definitely a libertarian, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's clearly what he is. Um, and um, uh, we are, uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier on the show about um, uh, folks just giving up on the U.S. This mm-hmm. idea of. Hyper focus on uh, 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 of making immigration really hard to America, so lots of U.S. companies are U.S. companies are setting up Canadian subsidiaries, and Canada has revamped their immigration laws to make it easier uh, for uh, for this uh, to make this happen. Um, you know, it's funny uh, we we at the end of the, when our break we talked about this Georgia. History professor is he a history professor? What is he? I don't know. He's, he's, a, he's a community college professor. The Gwinnett Community. Gwinnett Community College, community college um, and uh, he is drawing his criticism of uh, comments, online comments about illegal immigrants, including his contention that people in the U.S. illegally can be a drain on the nation's economy. That has no valid basis in None. modern economics. None. Borhaus wrote that article forty years ago. Looking at the Mariel Bolt lift impact on Miami in 1980.
1: Not only that, but Borjas has actually written articles after that, which take a much um, a much more slight conclusion. And he says that immigrants, even even just you know the majority of immigrants, do not have a net drain. The only no. negative effect that he could find whatsoever, which has been disputed by everybody, virtually everybody, every and other and economist. And Borjas's only conclusion that there was a net drain was on the most uneducated American
0: Yeah, the, the shrinking number of people right. without college high school degrees. Right, the shrinking number of that. No, those, those,
1: even the the ones that did not even get high school degrees.
0: Not even high school. Right. Yeah, so the high school. I'm sorry, high school dropouts. Right, which is shrinking every year. There are fewer and fewer high school dropouts right. every single year. Which
1: means that essentially, even if you're going by the worst case scenario, following Borjas instead of some, you know, some so instead of everybody else. Like but he won. Or, he won. A, but he
0: won a Nobel. Right. <laughs> yeah, but not for that work. Not for that work. Not for that work. Exactly right. Um, so here's what uh, this prof- associate, associate professor yeah, of history at what is essentially a community college wrote. Quote, if you're going to reward illegal immigrants, there will be more illegal immigrants. Said Feng Zhao. An I- immigrant. An immigrant to the United States. Um, one of my friends uh, in the Asian advocacy community called him a self-hater um, says he welcomes the criticism including those that say he should lose his job. Uh, I am I am against political correctness Zhao a legal immigrant from China because I am sure he did everything perfectly. yeah he not, in no way did he violate any aspect of immigration law. To get his green card, I say that somewhat sarcastically because, you know, much like in life, when you know Christ asks us to be perfect and nobody's perfect, trust me, nobody's perfect in the immigration law either.
1: Right. Um, it's just whether they got caught.
0: <laughs> yeah. So here's what he wrote. My students are woke and are overwhelmingly against illegal immigration. After taking my class, nobody is for illegal immigration. Nobody says we should have more illegal. Immigrants. That is the great myth of Fox News. This article came up on Fox News, by the way. Um, his critics have argued that many of Zhao's assertions have been debunked, um, and they, you know, he calls people libtards and ghetto thugs. I mean, you know, just because you're not white. Doesn't mean you can't be a
1: racist too. That is very true. In you know, in Taiwan they have toothpaste called black person toothpaste. they really? Yes. No way. Yes. And also white person
0: toothpaste. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surprised by anything. Um, and uh, so, uh, B. Win, who's a friend of mine and a, and a, and a representative uh, or a senator in our congr- in our state legislature here. Um, he, uh, he asked Georgia College, are "You are you gonna allow this guy to keep teaching? I mean, clearly, uh, it is uh, it is highly inappropriate. I just I just think it's hilarious that somebody who went. Th- I mean, I love you. I did it correctly. My wife did it correctly. Yeah." you know, good luck with that. Right. Not everybody is blessed that way. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's blessed that way. Well, we appreciate everybody listening this week on the immigration. Now we're going to have Phil back again. I'm sure. Uh, Phil's an economics expert, by the way, he worked uh, with uh, Alex and Uh, I wouldn't myself an economics. Oh, it's expert. me. He is because I know a squad about <laughs> economics. Uh, although I do know more than Trump does. Uh, and uh, well, of course my iPhone knows more than Trump does at that point. Uh, but he worked with Alex and at, at Cato. Um, and, uh, We've had Alex on our, and, and David Beer on our show before, and yeah. they always get the highest ratings because they're just brilliant as they talk they about are They are brilliant, absolutely They both put out some of the best stuff. Uh, until next week, this is your host, Charles Cook, our co-host this week, Phil Cook, uh, on the Immigration Hour. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.